Hello everyone, welcome back to Music Moonsaults. I am your host, Chris Bordine, and joining me today, they call him a Psychotron. It's Joel Pearl. <laughs> Joel, how's it going? I need to break out my old Polaroid so I can make the sound too yeah. from the beginning of the song. Right. right. I, I'm, I, Chris, I'm doing great. I, I love doing these shows with you because we get to nerd out about music that we both love. And you know, you and I know each other from like the wrestling sphere, but yeah. when we get to cross over and, and talk about the music stuff, mm -hmm. I, I always enjoy it a little bit more because yeah. wrestling takes up so much of my, my talk time. So exactly. this, these are things I can look forward to. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Nice change of pace. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, Joel, obviously, he's been on a bunch before, and uh, he's back. And uh, today we are talking about another we're, – we're, that time again, it's another 30-year anniversary. Uh, this time, uh, Megadeth, Countdown to extin Extinction. I'll spit it Easy out for eventually. Me to say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, came out July of 1992. And, yeah, hard to believe it's been 30 years already. It really is. I, I remember listening to this album, God, all the time. I was a, I, I still am a really big Megadeth fan, but I was a really big okay. Megadeth fan in my like teen years into my twenties. And this was one of my favorite records. It really was. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I just remember listening to it on walks to school and back and it was one of my favorites. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the drill, usually I start out asking, you know, your relationship to, in this case, Megadeth. And then why, you know, I, I sent you the, the, the spreadsheet and this is one of the albums where you, uh, indicated that you wanted to talk about it. So what's your, you know, relationship to Megadeth and, and this album specifically. So, like I said, I, it was just a huge, uh, huge album that I would listen to not only one of the more, successful and cult like followings for their for their discography but like just banger after banger like if i'm looking right now at the list at the song list i there's nothing on this record that i don't like for some reason mm -hmm. like the, the only song that i'm sick of on this record is their biggest hits right. and we'll talk about and that. that's, and that's only their because biggest hit Exactly. You know. And then other than that, like everything on this record, just, it just slaps. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, and my relationship to Megadeth, man, I, I would go and see them as often as I could. I, I once took an overnight going from Toronto to Ottawa is not an overnight bus, but right. like a bus that left at nine 30 PM in the evening, got in five hours later. So it was at 2 AM. I, I did that trek just to go see Megadeth on tour with heaven and hell and down. Oh, and okay. Heaven and Hell were the were the high uh, they 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 were the, the the main act headliner okay they were the headliners thank you the words that just yeah thought. yeah yeah so they were the headliners uh, Megadeth was on be just before Heaven and Hell and Down opened the night Down were incredible Megadeth were incredible Heaven and Hell had an off night and I left that concert early okay uh, and I just remember being like oh god that sucked for, sidebar for I, I, I for those of so, you, so yeah. just real quick, for those who don't know, Heaven and Hell was the 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 uh, uh, Ronnie James Dio lineup of Black Sabbath reunited, correct? Yeah, exactly yeah. that. And so they were on tour for a plethora of years uh, leading up to to Ronnie's death. And so the, the the good part of the story is that I would see Heaven and Hell uh, about a year or two later, and they blew me away. And so it all it all made good. I think they were on with. Uh, Motorhead Testament, and there was another band, and I saw it. Oh, Judas Priest. Uh, yeah. So out of all of that, 
I saw Heaven and Hell again, and I was like, just redeemed. Perfect. There you go. So, uh, but other than that, Megadeth, I, I made treks to go see Megadeth. I saw them at Heavy TL. I saw them at Heavy MTL. I would go and see Megadeth whenever I could. I almost went to go to Hungary to see them when wow. I had some time. This was like 10, 15 yeah. years ago. But uh, yeah, Megadeth have been hugely impactful on on me as a musician and me as a, as a metal fan. Nice. Um, so they're part of the, the, the big four of thrash metal. Um, so are they, for, for the layperson, if Metallica is like the WWE, to, to put it in wrestling terms, Megadeth would be like the WCW or the, or the AEW, right? Yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially, I would say, even the AEW, because let's take, uh, let's take Cody Rhodes, who mm-hmm. came in as an EVP. Right. He left WWE. He did a lot of things in the middle, but then he would join yeah. Megadeth or form AEW in this case. It's it, that's kind of how I would explain it to uh, to a metal fan who's like kind of into wrestling. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's pretty apt for you. Yeah, that's that's that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um well speaking of so last year you came on, we talked about Metallica's black album. Um do you see in this album, is there anything and you know Kind of first, kind of talk about the relationship there with with between Megadeth and Metallica, and then do you think uh, what Metallica was able to pull off the year prior had like any influence on 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 Megadeth on this album? Because it's definitely uh, they definitely went much like Metallica went a little bit more mainstream on this album. So knowing Dave Mustaine and the way that Dave is um discussed in the media and the way that he talks himself uh he absolutely would have heard that black album and said oh i can do better or i i can do my version that's going to be different but whatever better but different Mm -hmm. uh whether or not he gets there it's a completely different story objectively he cannot because that was a runaway freight train of success for metallica but Countdown, Countdown was still significantly different of an album compared to other Megadeth albums in terms of quality of recording, mm-hmm. uh, just the quality of the writing, the quality of the musicianship. It, things changed and things got better for, for for Megadeth after this album and with this album. So um, yeah, I, I see I see the similarities in in wanting to be better because of the album. Uh, but with the, obviously the negative being you're not going to beat Metallica right. at what is their best-selling album of all right. time. Right. And what was a, a you know, on fire album at the time too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so just some, you know, the, the, the facts and some, you know, facts and figures here. Um, like I said, it, they released the album July 14th, 1992 on Capitol records. Um, Megadeth is like, <laughs> They're like the Spinal Tap. They've had like 135 members, and this is the uh, uh, the second album with the quote unquote classic lineup with Dave Mustaine, uh, David Ellison, uh, Marty Freeman, and Nick Menza. And uh, they uh, the album entered at at number two uh, the first week on the Billboard chart, which is their highest position ever on the Billboard chart. Do you know what album kept them out of the top spot, Joel? <laughs> Oh no, I don't. Please tell me. Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> it's gonna, I was gonna say like it's '92. Grunge is pretty much on the decline. Like where where are we? So Billy Ray Cyrus. Yes, the uh, some gave all Billy Ray Cyrus album. 
which obviously had achy breaky heart on it. And actually, it's odd. funny because I was thinking about that about what you said about grunge. So I I I went and I I dug up what the best selling albums of '92 were just to see where this uh where Countdown kind of fits, and it's way down in like the '60s. Um, it sold a little over two million uh albums that year. But if you go through, it's not a lot of grunge as far as the rock acts go. There's still a lot of, um, like, Bon Jovi is is up there. Um, Def Leppard is, you know, the 14th highest selling album of the year. Um, so it's it's kind of mixed. Um, but Stone Temple Pilots' core is, is the eighth. So there is some of the grunge coming through. But, yeah, it's just a weird time. Um where grunge is definitely uh, gaining momentum, but it's still not quite got the chokehold on, on rock music as it would yeah. here in the next, you know, by 94. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, it's wild. Yeah. Um, so they've, uh, the album's produced by, by Dave Mustaine as well as uh, Max Norman, uh, who actually, he produced like the first, three or four Ozzy solo albums. He also mixed on rust in peace, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So he had, he had prior Megadeth experience. Mm -hmm. He knew the level of, uh, um, how do I put this nicely? Um, obsession, crazy, um, (laughs) nuttiness. He knew what to expect from Dave Mustaine. Right. Right. Well, (laughs) and, and in the years, I don't know if they've made up or not, but in, in years, since he's kind of accused Dave of like trying to steal all the credit for the success of the album. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Go figure. Um, yep. And they, so they recorded the album early in 92 in Burbank and it's during the Rodney King riots. So they had to finish all their work every night by 6 PM. Cause that was the curfew during that time. Jesus. Could you imagine? Yeah. They, they like roll into the studio at 4 p.m. and like we got two hours. What do we do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, all right, we just uh, set up and it's 5:55. Let's go. Right. So, uh, so yeah, those are just some some tidbits that I found interesting. I kind of want to save the two big songs for last. Um. So, uh, what uh, what besides uh, besides Symphony and Sweating Bullets, what? We don't have to go in order. What what what's besides those two songs? What's the first song that sticks out to you on the album? Skin of my teeth. Hundred okay, percent opener. All right, that opener with that drum fill. Yes, and just the blazing guitar like that song. That that is one of the most perfect openers you can have. Oh, yeah. on a Megadeth record or really any metal record. Yeah, yeah, I I, I really like that song a lot too. It's uh, um, it's just a great riff and like I like you mentioned it that that drum fill that. I always love albums that that start off with just a crazy dr- drum fill like that. Like, it sets the tone. It really does. The, your album is your statement. It mm-hmm. is. It's your hypothesis. It's everything. And to open with like this blistering drum intro, it just like sets the tone. And and the whole record. You'll when we talk through it, and if you go back and listen to it, it it doesn't stop. Like there's very little that slows down. And that's yeah. that that's that op- from that opening drum fill. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um uh what about uh let's see here. Let's go to uh 
Let's go to This Was My Life. What about that song? Um, Probably one of the le- not least favorite, but it's not high on my list. Um, I think it's one of those ones that I'll once in a while I'll, I'll skip through if I'm going through the album. But uh, I don't know. It's it, it doesn't stick out as much as other songs on the record, to be this quite is, frank. This is the one that, uh, to our discussion earlier, had the, had the most Metallica to me feel to yeah. it. Uh, the, the, the main riff, uh, the da, na, na, da, 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 da. And then especially yeah. when he does it after the chorus and he goes, yeah, does the hat feel? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I see what's going on here. Yeah. He's taking that chromatic thing that, that Metallica chromatic fall mm-hmm. and he's using it. Yeah. He's, it's very, you're right. It is pretty Metallica ask. Um, and then of course he's like talking over the verses. He's not really singing. It's not. It's not mm-hmm. typical Dave. It's it's just him being very, um, in some ways remorseful, in some ways completely, uh, just upending his own life, talking about things that have happened to him or th- the fictional character that he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about? Let's see here. Let's go to. Uh, let's go to Psychotron, the the song I uh, introed you with. So I like Psychotron. I know a lot of people don't. They they think it's just cheesy as hell. But it's, it's a comic book nerd song. Yeah. It's really yeah. what it is. And it, it's fun. Uh, the riff is catchy. Mm-hmm. I've listened to the... Um, when they did re-releases once mm-hmm. upon a time, when Dave was like out and maybe never playing again, yada, yada, they yeah, yeah. did, clearly. Uh, when they re-released it, I keep hearing the demo track show up on my Spotify, like on random. Oh, okay. And, and I and I'm always like, please stop. I want to hear the real song. But uh, the, the this is definitely the 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 psychotron that that came out with Countdown was a billion times better than where they started with the demo. I'll yeah. put it like that. Uh, but it's it's a good tune. It's a catchy tune. I like it. I'm that way with uh, the like some of the Motley Crue records, like Doctor Feelgood. They'll they'll be they'll throw some of the demos on there. I'm like, no, just just give me the real one. And and that's the thing. Like they, these producers will often push their the talent in the band so much further than where they started. Like, it's the one thing that I don't think uh, music fans often give credit to the people behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. The producers of these records, like self-produced records sometimes really do find success. But some of these producers really do become the unsung heroes of the process because they are pushing the band to think outside of their own comfort level, outside of the box. And, you know, we talked about... Um, I forget. I think we were talking when we were talking about load. Actually, yeah. mm-hmm. we talked about how um, Bob Rock had pushed uh, Van- uh, Molly Crew to do more stuff in Drop D. Yeah. So we were t- actually we were talking about uh, Black Album because we were talking about yeah. um, uh, Sabbath True. Yeah. Because Metallica go. didn't mm-hmm. know that there was uh, notes lower than E on the scale. That was the joke. Yes. And then he put and then he said do it in Drop D or do it in D. And and he did the same with uh, with Molly Crew. Mm-hmm. And that but that's the thing. It changes the song and it makes it better. And that's what a good producer does. And so I love it when a producer comes in and and changes things just enough that the song is still true to the artist, but it's still uh, the it's still the right sound and the right feel for the record. Yeah, I, I definitely think I I think it's a like I think in pop music producers get a lot more credit than for whatever reason rock music just seems unless you're like an Ezrin or uh, or a Bob Rock or a a, a Mutt Lang like. Other than that, most of the time, the producers really don't get a lot of shine. I mean, in pop music, it's because 
there's like 26 producers and 18,000 writers because everyone got one letter in or one word into right. the song that eventually ran, won a Grammy. But with, but with the bands, when it's like a four-piece rock band, everyone just assumes, oh, it's collaboration or, oh, it's yeah. just this one guy. You're right. It, it's strange that in pop, like, but but again, it, in pop, there are many more producers involved. There are many, many more cooks in the kitchen. Right. Especially especially nowadays. I was thinking more like, uh, you know, like in the in the mid-2000s, Timbaland was you know oh yeah that's a good point or, yeah, yeah for sure or you know even going way back you know quincy jones way back in the day so i was about to say yeah, yeah. quincy was definitely one of those guys yeah but yeah it, it, with with rock it's often seen as the band went in the band knocked it out nobody else did anything other than whoever mixed and mastered right yeah yeah um what about let's see here let's talk about the title track i like countdown to extinction i do too i really like this I'm, song I'm, I'm um, trying to remember the riff right now because I, I, oh yeah, yeah, there we go. Sorry, I had foreclosure. I had I had foreclosure of a dream in my oh, head for okay. a second. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that. We'll, after. Go that one, we'll, do, we'll do that one next. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, with countdown, I, it's such a fun riff, and I love the bass solo at the beginning. Yes, Dave Ellison doing that uh, that kind of droney bass yeah. solo. It's perfect for the mm-hmm. song, and it works again. I go back and listen to the demo. Not a lot changes, but what does change from the demo to the finished product is big enough that it makes the finished product that much better uh they they added the they added more space to the song mm-hmm. in 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 the the original remake uh versus the demo which just kind of plays right through it goes through there's a little riff in the middle that makes no sense so they t- they turfed it and they brought in uh just a just big goose goose notes and that was yeah. it uh but it's a great tune i love the um the dual guitar harmonizing solo Yes, um, I'm a sucker for that type of thing. Any, you know, give give it to me, give it to me all yeah. all day long. Um, yeah. Funny. So uh, the title actually was uh, suggested by Nick Menza. He read an article, was reading an article in Time Magazine, and suggested the title. And they won uh, an award from the Humane Society for the song, uh, the Genesis Award for raising awareness for animal rights issues. That's so weird. Why? Yeah. Why? Because the song is basically about uh, uh, environmental concerns and, and anti-trophy hunting and stuff like that. I mean, shit, you're right. You're absolutely right thinking about it. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's wild. I mean, and it's a, it's just such a good metal song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, for, and Foreclosure of a Dream is another one where, the, you know, a lot of like uh, – economical issues and, and social inequality. There's a lot of political uh, on the, uh, on the old album here. That is, that is Dave's whole bread and butter. He right. was always a very, still is a very political. Dying, yeah. Yeah, true. exactly. Like, he's very much a political mind. Uh, and he likes to incorporate that into his lyrics. I'll never forget, like in foreclosure of a dream, you've got that middle part with, uh, is it Bush senior? Yeah. 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 So the, yeah, the, 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 yeah. Yeah, read my lips. The government wants me to raise taxes, and I say no. Read my lips, and I'll never forget that when I was a kid, going, yeah. you know, listening to that tune and trying to play it on guitar too. I was trying to like learn that that riff, uh, and it's such a good song because it's different. It it, it starts sl- not just slow, but it starts very light, which is weird for mm-hmm. for metal. But then it builds into it like that. Just going into that chorus, uh, you finally start hearing the double bass drum in the chorus, and everything picks up as it does. Yeah, the the, the- the chorus, <laughs> I don't. It's I don't think it's it's the exact same, chord, two chords or whatever. But the pattern reminded me of um, the end 
from Abbey Road. Uh, oh, okay. The part where they're, you know, everyone's soloing back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's kind of had that same same type of pattern to it. I can hear that. Yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, just a, a good song that that had um, a bit of an effect on me as a kid, for sure. I'll never forget that song. And I still listen to it when it comes on. It, it'll, it'll always play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about skydiving, high-speed dirt. <laughs> so, yeah, this was at a time when Dave was, like, kind of trying to get away from drugs. And this was one of his ways of satiating his other addiction. Mm-hmm. And so he takes up skydiving. And he gets really into it as addicts tend to when they switch from one thing to another. Right. And he gets addicted to skydiving and he starts, you know, singing songs about what happens if I don't make it or right. what, what is skydiving? You're in, you're free falling through the air and you know, you go in on your first jump on your own. You don't have anyone else there. Maybe no parachute. It's, it's a really fun song. And the song itself, just again, blistering mm-hmm. riff. Yes. Love the intro, good driving song. And mm-hmm. I don't mean that in the traditional um, of like a, a driving music, but I mean like in While the car you're driving, driving. Yes, yes, it is that song. It's really just, good. Just watch your speed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, get your lead foot going. Yeah, exactly. No, I it it, it made me, uh, especially like in the first verse when you talk about you know becoming a crater or, or whatever, and I was like, it reminded me of uh, in Wedding Crashers the w- Will Ferrell. I mean, that was hang gliding, but still, it was the same thing. Ah, I'm hang gliding. I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Hey, God, you're a dirt torpedo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's wild. I love it. Uh, um, architecture of Aggression. So this song took a little bit of time to grow on me mm-hmm. because it's got a really staccato yes. riff. And I had to like, I, I just kind of had to feel it out. And eventually when I got into... Uh, more prog rock and started getting a, an appreciation for like odd time signatures. Not that this has odd time signatures, but it just, it's a different sound. So I started to appreciate it once I got into it. Um, the the song itself, it's fine. Again, it's one of those, like it's, it's on the record. It has a purpose, but it's not a song that broke out in my yeah. brain. I can hear the riff because it's so different in the timing, but other than that, it's just kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, keeping with the you know early '90s, you know George H. W. Bush. That I guess that song is it's about Saddam Hussein. Yeah. So at the end, they have the uh, the the flight pilots on the radios, radioing back and forth about firing missiles. That's right. And saying they yeah, and saying they look like big long snakes in the in the sky it, because they were they were jettisoning too much uh, smoke or whatever. It's very, I mean, style-wise, it's nothing like it. But the the extra production on the song, you know, the opening with the with the machine guns, and it very much. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, Gods of War off of uh, Def Leppard's Hysteria album. It's very okay, much, yeah, yeah. Because same, it opens up with a lot of gunfire sounds like that, and then at the end, uh, on the outro riff, it's it's a speech from uh, Reagan. Because mm. uh, I, you know, I think you know during the Cold War time, so ballsy of them to do this two songs in a row where they open up with these kind of string arrangements mm-hmm. and, and then it plays into the song I didn't, yeah. normally you wouldn't do that two songs in a row but also ballsy of them to do uh what kind of sounds a little metallica's one yeah in the opening of that so uh it, I, just something that I that I remembered as I'm thinking about the track listing and what else was happening in music around that time. And 
one was like five years earlier, but it right. still counts. Right, right, right. Um, let's uh, "Ashes in Your Mouth," the last song on the album. I love this, especially the outro. Mm-hmm. Just the repeat, da on the way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good tune. Uh, so I'll shout out my buddy DK, who's on yeah. Twitch, Daniel DK. Uh, he plays this song all the time when he's uh, when he's live, and uh, it's such a good rock tune. Like it's such a good riff tune. Um, the solos are great. The just a wonderful fast paced solo. Uh, and it does, they, they do the double solo again, don't they? Yeah. The double tapping mm-hmm. solo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that is great. Love it. It's, uh, um, definitely, uh, one of the more, uh, traditional thrash sounding songs yes. on the album. Just one thing sure. that I love, one thing I love about the song too, is in terms of its structure with vocals and guitar, I like that the chorus, they do the, the guitar matching the, 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 the vocals. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a really good like the the na, 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 and then the, the guitar breaks and then they do they pick it up again. I like when sometimes when it fits when you have the vocals matching the guitar line. It's it's good stuff. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think the last one before we get to the the two big songs. Um, yeah. Uh, Captive Honor. Uh, son, your soul better belong to Jesus, because <laughs> yeah. your ass belongs to me. Yeah, it's very. Uh, 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 this Life. one yeah what do you mean sorry <laughs> no i was gonna say this reminds me off of or like it's uh with with all the the speaking part you know different speaking parts the judge and you know the the cellmate and it reminded me off of uh operation mind crime oh that's a good point yeah, yeah yeah they they had uh nick did the uh the screaming right the the white guy screaming the the jail the guy's getting put to jail i could that sounds right yeah i think it was nick who did that and uh the rest of it i don't know who who did the other voices yeah. but he does the life what do you mean life i ain't got a life i'm pretty sure that's nick okay but uh yeah this the song itself it's fine again yeah. one of those like it's there it's on the record this is probably the it's the most storytelling song mm-hmm. on the record and for that it's great because it's totally different from the rest of the tunes but um like just going picking it out of a lineup and listening to it I probably wouldn't give it too much thought. Right. Yeah. It's, it's probably not probably, it definitely is like my least favorite song on the album for sure. Yeah. I get Um, that. All right. Sweating bullets. This this is probably my favorite song on the, uh, on the album, to be honest. And it's probably cliche, but, but I, I, I love this song. I love the, um, uh, before we, they get into the solo, the, the, you know, the, yeah and then i love how once the solo starts he plays the exact same pattern on the double kick like it's yes transitions i love that the solo is also really good in that just the the patterns that dave is picking to play it just fits it really well um the video for the song is still hilarious great yes having dave in a institution being spoken to through the mirror and everything. I'll never forget watching that stuff. Um, the, the song, the song is highly memorable. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like that, that little, that little part before the solo leading into the solo, it is very memorable. We both just did it at the yeah. same time because I think we both saw like it's, it's a good song. Um, they, the way that they intro it now live is the way that they did it on an old mix 
which was the guitar just kind of playing the instead of the like they they do a solo style of the intro and then they hit the intro live um which i appreciated i, I think that's much better in a lot of ways it kind of opens the song differently i like it but uh the song itself it, yeah it's a just a really great song it is on all of their set lists oh yeah uh well it's their their so it's the seventh most uh stream song of theirs on spotify um at over 31 million plays and um there was some oh i love the chorus just has a real nice groove to it mm-hmm yeah they, they do the open hat or the open um open hi hat not open hi hat sorry open um ride symbol yeah and it just works yeah yeah it's a really just a solid tune yeah all right it's time the uh, do we have to I mean, we got to at least talk about it a little bit. I mean, it is only their biggest song at hundred over 197 million plays on Spotify. Is it Gears of War? Is it that song? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Symphony, Gears of War. Symphony of Gears Destruction. Of, sorry. This yeah. is, I mean, it's by far their their most popular song. Um, yeah, it's, uh, as much as it's overplayed, it's it's a good song. I like it. Is that, it is. I mean, um, because it's so simple. Like, especially like, I just love the way uh, Ellison just the, his the way he just drives the song with with just a single note. You know. Yeah. So so it is. It, it it's such an easy song, but it also it's deceptively hard. Oh yeah. In some of the parts, and and so you and I both play bass. We both done work with bands and, and stuff like that um have you ever played this song with a band no 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 No, but have you ever tried to learn this tune uh no i don't think i have actually i don't think i've ever sat down and, and tried to play it yet so the first time i ever had to learn this tune was for uh, a bandioke karaoke with a live band okay. uh this was recently too like i'm just talking very near pre-pandemic like okay. 2019 right. uh and i it may have even been early 2020 i was asked to to learn a bunch of tunes and i learned this tune and i was like thrown off by some of the some of the playing that's involved mm-hmm. in it uh dave ellison is a sneaky bass player oh yeah he, he's really solid like you said he drives that song but there are little things that he'll add in that make the song a little more interesting to play and a little more tricky if you're doing it, uh, playing it live on an instrument. He's, so he's, that was the uh, first time I ever touched it. You can definitely tell uh, uh, the Gene Simmons influence on him. Yes. Um, it's there. Yes. Because especially he does, there's a lot of, uh, uh, it's subtle because at this point, you know, obviously you can hear the bass during the verses because it's, it's basically just him driving that the song along. And, you know, the dun dun, dun and then Dave, you know, Mustaine's, you know, sings a line or two. And then, but once the chorus kicks in and the guitars come in, it, the bass is a little more buried. And, but if you listen, he does a lot of, of walking during the, during that chorus. Did you ever listen to the demo for no, the song? No. Mm-mm. So the demo opens with, um, it, it's like a dun dun like, like the rip opens. Mm-hmm. And then they go right into da, 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 the, the oh, pre-chorus okay. stuff. It's very strange. It's very, again, uh, kudos to a producer who sits down and makes the song better. Cause that's what it did. Go back and listen to it. You'll find it. If you're, if you're on Spotify, you'll find it on any of the remaster yes. yeah. records, mm-hmm. but um, 
you can tell the difference and the workshopping that was done to Symphony of Destruction to make it the song that it became and how much better it sounds the way that it became. Yeah. Uh, it, it is definitely their most memorable song. Duh, clearly their most popular one. It's played at every single gig. Everyone wants to hear it. I get it. Um, but, I, you know, it, just like Sandman. Yeah. Just like, uh, I don't know, pick, pick your pick your favorite band's number one tune. Rock and and you probably night. got, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Whatever it is, you've probably been like, all right, we're done. I got yeah, it. Perfect. Exactly. But, but yet, you like, got to play it. But yet, you got to. But yet, even though I know it's the last song, I can never bring myself to leave the concert <laughs> when Rock and Roll Night hits. So, you know, yeah, whatever. Exactly. Um, because you see, you may be sick of hearing it, but you never get tired of listening to the crowd yes. react to it. Yes. Because yeah. they go wild. And that exactly. just, it's the energy that's there. Exactly. And then one more thing to put Ellison over. He has a nice little, uh, nice little lick at the end of the solo uh going yes. back into the uh back into the main riff going back to no- reason number 879 why i hate playing dave ellison songs <laughs> especially when i have when i work with band leaders who are like no can you do that just like in a song and i'm just like you son of a bitch fine okay and it's one of those <laughs> things where you know when you're playing like you said with a bandy you know the karaoke thing you're talking about yep. if you left it out no one but you are are even going to notice it but exactly but you'll know and it's like (laughs) so i don't know about you but uh i actually i do know you play hurdle yes yes i do yes i do you play hurdle and and so do i and the one thing with hurdle that always like cracks me up is when i hear something the first time and i'll ask my brother or any other musician about it and just be like did you get today's hurdle whatever they're like yeah i saw you got it in one what helped what happened i'm like you play the songs enough they just become ingrained in your brain mm-hmm. and if you've like if you've had to play them bandioki style you need to know everything about yes. the stupid song mm-hmm. so it's it's like the blessing and a curse of working that kind of style of music mm-hmm. yeah exactly. same thing um they uh so it was also it was it was on the first guitar hero game i remember that it was really fun to play on on that um yep. It was on the SmackDown vs. Raw 2006. It was a remix version on the SmackDown vs. Raw 2006 game. Really? It's like a it's like a techno EDM remix version. That sounds awful. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's like the crushum of of that version of that song. I'll, I'll find it and send it to you. Uh, it's the Gears of War version of that song. <laughs> it might have been. I don't know. It, Gears it, of War. Yeah, that's it, an awful song. Please don't listen to Gears of War by Megadeth. Okay. Well, it's an and awful, then awful song. for me, uh, whenever I hear the song, so there is a uh, there's a morning radio show in Detroit. Um, Dave and Chuck the Freak. They started out in in Windsor, actually, uh, and then made the jump into the and they were like neck and neck with the number one Detroit morning show. Uh, and then they made the jump like 10 years ago, like WRIF, the big rock station. They kicked the the long running morning show to the curb and signed Dave and Chuck the Freak to come over and be the new morning show for WRAF, right? And yeah. now they're like they're syndicated. I think they're in Boston and they're in a couple of Florida cities now as well. But uh, when they're doing the news and anytime they have a story about an old person who crashes through the front of a store, oh no, they play Symphony of Destruction in the background. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> So one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is we watch wrestling podcasts 
And uh, if you've ever listened to these guys, they're, they're, one guy used to work for WWE, the other guy's as a musician as well. And they used to have a third guy who was a comedian. And every once in a while, they would do like a, a fake breaking news segment. Mm-hmm. And they would put in the opening to Peace Cells as, as like the intro to that little segment. So it, everyone does it. Everyone uses Megadeth and rips them off. The, uh, the, 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 bass, the bass lick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they, that was the uh, the theme song or the intro. It was the MTV head, one. Yeah, wasn't it? Headbangers Ball. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Ripping that off. Yeah. Good on you, Matt McCarthy and friends. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, Joel, is there anything else? I think we've pretty much covered this thing, but uh, is there anything else uh, about this album that you would like to say? It, like I said, it is such a wonderfully put together record for them mm-hmm. like megadeth really outdid themselves in this one they would do euthanasia next mm-hmm. and when we talk about that inevitably it's it's another one that has like almost everything is great and a few nah. but overall like again another album that just sets a tone for what megadeth is as a band they've always been political and politically minded mm-hmm. and they've always done it in a way that just uh really made sense in the metal sphere i i will never not listen to this record to countdown to extinction i think uh there's there's a place in my rotation for it all the time yeah it's a good one so just uh, a bit yeah check it out if you uh have never listened to it or haven't listened to it in a long time um you'll enjoy it uh joel where can people find you man Oh God, do I do I got to do the plugs? Do uh, plugs? Fine, you can follow me at Joel Pearl J O E L P E A R L. I'm not hard to find. That's everywhere. Uh, I, I do a ton of stuff over at Fightful.com, including Thursday nights on their main channel. I host the Impact Wrestling Post Show. Myself and Cresta Star, who is a fantastic co-host, can't put her over enough. She's wonderful. We uh, break down Impact Wrestling every Thursday nights. Uh, and over on FightfulOverbooked.com, that is our sister network where we have people from literally everywhere coming and talking about pro wrestling their own love of it their own version of what they expect from it their breakdowns their hot takes whatever you want to call it it's all over there and i also host the tim and joel pod over there every sunday at noon eastern uh and i gotta put chris over because over on the fightful select platform i saw and i i listened and i loved the review that you and rob wilkins did uh about uh one of the ring of honor and new japan war of the world shows I got to put it over because it was a really, really fun listen. And uh, Chris did a really great job. I got, I'll put you over probably like I did privately. Go listen to it if you're a Fightful Select uh, subscriber. Thank you very much, sir. I very much appreciate that. That's a, that means a lot. Uh, So, I mean, Jeremy's doing NBA draft watch alongs. I say we need to do a uh, watch along of some kind of monster on on overbooked. (laughs) What happened to what happened to my old friend Dave when we used to, you yeah. know, cut a hole in the ground and smoke hash through the, the thing, and we were gonna b- b- build a wall to try whatever the fuck yeah. the line was. I missed my little Danish friend. <laughs> my little Danish friend. Oh God, such a fucking awful. Just the the my favorite scene, other than the Dave stuff, by the way, uh-huh. is when they do. Uh, the Lars is so pissed that he starts just yelling the F word yeah. and then he gets right in James's face and yeah. yells it and then yeah. storms out. That is always in my brain. I love that one, but yeah. that 
how old was I when that came? I was 2004, 2003 when it dropped. Yeah, I was 16, around. 17. So like yeah. my my teenage angst was probably at a pretty friggin' high high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, maybe that's all I can say. <laughs> maybe we'll put it on Twitch. Let the people figure it out. There you go. There you go. There oh my go. god. <laughs> All right. Well, you can find me at Ibanez Chris on Twitter. Uh, like like Joel mentioned, uh, my hurdle scores. That's that. That's the main thing I post there now. Because uh, <laughs> the the wrestling di- discourse is just sometimes it's just better to just stay out of it. And uh, yeah. Um. So hurdle and, and and videos and pictures of my kid. That that's pretty much all I put on Twitter nowadays. Uh, it's a pretty good timeline to keep, by the way. I mean. <laughs> I enjoy it. So that's all that matters at the end of the day. It's all that matters. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then you can, uh, if you're watching this, you can, and you want to do audio, you can find me on podcast platforms all over. And if, uh, you're listening to this and you want to watch the video, just go to music and It'll take you right to the YouTube page. Woo. Woohoo. So, all right, we did it, Joel. Yes. Woohoo. Another successful uh, album retrospective in the books. So, which one's next? What do we do? I think uh, I think you have uh, Billy Joel marked. I <gasps> think that's in a couple months. Yes, I so was just we'll, talking about Liberty DeVito yesterday, so that's perfect. There you go. So we'll we'll set up a time. We'll do that. So looking forward to that. But until then, see ya. <laughs>